Once again, and I want you to turn back to Mark chapter 5, if you will. We have been there several times. Brother Mike, go ahead, brother. Yes, sir, brother. And so grab your Bibles and turn over to Mark chapter 5, if you will. And familiar passage of Scripture, but we're going to skip around a little bit more than we have here in the last, the last little bit. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to keep this, as far as I know at least, I'm going to keep this very brief today, um, but this is the Lord's service, and so we'll, we'll try to mind the Lord. The Lord can have other, uh, have, have other thoughts, and, uh, but as far as my end, or I'm going to try to keep it brief today. Mark chapter 5, and when you find your place, let's all look at verse number 1. And the Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Very important verse. If you'd like to mark your Bible up, maybe circle verse number two or put a check there or something. Verse three, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Now skip down to verse number 14, if you will. The Bible says, And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed, past tense, that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now I want you to skip down to verse number 21, same chapter, verse 21. The Bible says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter, lieth at the point of death. Interesting verse here. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. Verse 24, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, notice this, and touched his garment. First she said, if I may but touch, if I may touch but his, gar his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Now skip over to verse 38. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, and saith, and when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. 
And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother, the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand. Wow. How many believe this? How many believe that Jesus could have just spoke the word? There's not a doubt. He often did that. In fact, did you know that Christ was so powerful, he didn't have to speak the word. But the Bible says in verse 41, and he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel rose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you just a few moments today about this subject, the dirty work of the ministry. The dirty work of the ministry. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary. And God, we're so appreciative of this service. And Lord, I, I, I don't know about others. Maybe I can't speak for others, but I can speak for me. My heart's already been encouraged. God, my spirit has been, has been refreshed. Lord, just by what I've already benefited from in, in, in the service today, the fellowship, the shaking of hands, the encouraging words of others, the smiles. And then, Lord, the wonderful music that we've enjoyed today and the singing. God, has been wonderful. Thank you for reminding us of how blessed we are, and we are truly blessed to live in this great nation called America. Oh, she's got her problems, but she's still a great nation. And God, we're so thankful for the blessings that you have bestowed upon America. And God, I pray that you would continue, please, to, Lord, to shed your grace upon this great nation. Bless those families today who are without their loved ones, without a dad, without a, a mom, without a son or a daughter, a grandpa, a grandmother. God, I pray that you'd bless those families today as they grieve. And I pray that you would encourage them and Lord, now as we take just a few moments and center our attention around the word, I pray that you would knit our hearts together, Lord, as you've done many times. And I pray that we would learn something. I pray that Christ would be glorified. I pray that people would be helped, that souls would be saved. God, that you'd have your way, please, in the service. We love you and ask you for your power. God, I pray right now as we close this prayer, I pray that you would bind the powers of darkness. Only you can do that. And I pray that you'd keep the devil and his powers away from this place. And God, I pray that you'd keep your blessings in. And Lord, I pray that you would accomplish your will today. We love you and praise you. Thou art worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. In Mark chapter five, we read of three very distinct miracles. And they each seem very unique and very separate in nature. In fact, all these years that I've read these miracles, I've never, I've never really put these miracles together. But actually, one of the neatest things about Mark chapter 5 is that these miracles are all connected in a very real way, in a very special way. In fact, if you read the miracles separately, well, they're all great and they're all 
uh, inspirational and encouraging, and they remind us of the, the great power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you read these, these, when you read these miracles together, coupled together, they teach us a very special truth about our Savior and, and his will for the Spirit-filled child of God. Now, follow me this morning, if you would. Jesus, although he was the ultimate example of holiness and purity, and he was, by the way, he was as pure as pure could be, and although he was the ultimate example of purity, Jesus was willing to minister to people who were considered unclean and in some realms very, very dirty. You see, each of these miracles involves someone who was considered unclean, either by cultural standards or in that day by what they called the ceremonial law, the mosaic law, the ceremonial law. Let me show you what I'm, what I'm talking about uh, today just for a moment. First of all, we notice in Mark chapter 5, the Bible clearly tells us that the gathering, the, the demoniac of Gadara, the gathering was filled with an unclean spirit. Look at Mark chapter 5 and verse number 2. Right off, right off the bat, right off the bat here, Mark chapter 5 and verse number 2. The Bible says, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So the Bible is very clear to point out very quickly that this man was unclean. He was unclean because he was filled with the powers of darkness. Added to that, I, I, again, this may not change your life, but it's just so interesting. Added to that, Mark adds uh, three different times, Mark mentions that this man lived in the tombs. Not once, not twice, but three times he makes mention of this man living in the tombs. Now you say, Pastor, is that significant? It's pretty significant, especially if you were a Jew. Because back in that day and time, the Jews wanted to have nothing to do with the tombs. In fact, they would whitewash their tombs. They would, uh, they would, they would make their uh, cemeteries, their graveyards, they would make them stand out. That way you didn't accidentally come in contact with a grave. And so uh, the Bible points out that this man is not only in contact with the grave, he's living in the graveyard. He's living among the tombs. Not only that, but we see here the Bible talks about a woman with an issue of blood. And that woman with an issue of blood was considered unclean because of her constant bleeding. Look, if you will, at Mark chapter 5 and verse number 25. The Bible says, And a certain woman which had an issue, she had an issue of blood, look at this, 12 years. Now, this woman could not stop bleeding. She was constantly bleeding. Uh, Leviticus chapter 15, verse number 25, listen to what the Bible says. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Now, evidently, this lady, there was nothing she could do about this issue. There was nothing she could do about this problem, although it was a very real problem. But because of this problem, although she had no control over it, in that day and time, in that culture, she was considered to be unclean. And so there's a very good likelihood that this woman, for at least for 12 years, had been shunned by her neighbors. She had been shunned by the townsfolk. By the way, if she could have 
fixed it. She would have. She tried. The Bible says she went to numerous physicians. She spent all that she had, and yet she was no more the better. In fact, she grew worse. And because of that, because of this, under their ceremonial law, this lady was considered an unclean woman. Not only that, but we see here the daughter of Jairus was clearly dead. She's 12 years old. The Bible refers to her as a damsel. She was dead. At first, she was not. The Bible says when Jairus came to the Lord, he said, Lord, I want you to come, by the way, a powerful man. And yet he fell down before the Lord. In fact, all of these folks fell down before the Lord. There may be something there we might want to pay attention to. Every one of these folks fell down before the Lord. Jairus fell down before the Lord and said, Lord, I want you to come. I want you to, I want you to touch my daughter. I want you to lay your hand on my daughter. She's sick. But before they could get to this daughter, the Bible says that one came from Jairus' house and said, don't bother the master because your daughter is dead. Numbers chapter 19, verse 11 says it like this. He that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. And yet in Mark chapter five and verse number 41, the Bible says about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he took the damsel by the hand. Could he have spoken the word and raised her? Absolutely. Could he have just thought about it and raised her? He could have and did in some circumstances. But in Mark chapter five, verse number 41, our Bible clearly tells us that the Lord Jesus took the damsel by the hand and raised her to life again. Jesus, the pinnacle of holiness. Jesus, as clean as the driven snow. Jesus, the very essence of what is called purity, untainted by the culture around him. Now follow, don't miss this. If you don't get anything else, get this this morning. Although Jesus was clean and Jesus was pure and Jesus was innocent. The Lord Jesus Christ chose to interact with all these dirty people in a very personal way. In fact, I wrote this down in my outline. He was willing to get up close and personal with those who were considered very dirty. You say, preacher, is that a big deal? Pretty big. It's pretty big. You say, why? Because there was a day, my dear friend, when I was dirty. There was a day when I was lost and undone without a Savior. There was a day when I was a sinner that was unconverted and on my way to hell. And and by the way, there was nothing I could do about it. I could try to jump through all the hoops. I could try to join the church membership. I could go to Sunday school. I could get perfect attendance. I could carry my Bible every Sunday morning. I could tie my tie and I could wear a suit if I wanted to, but I couldn't do anything about my dirty condition. But oh, happy day, happy day when Jesus passed by my way and Jesus, thank God, got up close and personal. I'm about to have a run and spit fit right now. And Jesus Christ got up close and personal and happy day when Jesus reached down and touched me and he saved my soul. And so, yes, this is a very, very big deal. Now I want to give you, I, I want to give you just several thoughts and we're going to end with a story or two and we're going, to, we're going to be on our way. I told you I'd keep this very short today. Number one, I wrote this down. Number one, we see here that Jesus was unconcerned with cultural perception. 
What do you mean, pastor? I mean that Jesus Christ never checked to see if certain ministry was popular or unpopular. Well, I wonder if it's gonna be popular to go over to the land of the Gadarenes and have something to do with a man that's possessed with a legion of demons. You understand that Jesus never sent out a survey. Jesus never read the polls. Jesus never, never asked the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He never asked them, is this popular? Is this okay? If I minister to this demon-possessed man, do you think it'd be all right if this woman with an issue of blood came over and touched the Savior? Do you think it'd be all right if I walk into the house where there's a dead body lying and I, I don't just speak to the body, but I touch the body? The Lord Jesus Christ was very unconcerned with cultural perception. Jesus went to people and Jesus went to places places where no one else would go. By the way, Calvary, I remind us this morning, he paid the price for it. What do you mean, pastor? He paid the price with his reputation. In fact, listen to what, listen to what the world said about our Savior in Matthew 11, verse number 19. This is what they said about Jesus. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber and a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. Now, I just said that for a very specific reason today. You say, Pastor, what are we going to do at Calvary Baptist Church? We want to grow. We want to go forward. We want to see more people come and how we want this church to, to really do something and and you say, preacher, what are we going to do if we keep on reaching out to every walk of life? What are we going to do if we keep reaching out to, to every color and every race and, and every creed? And, and what are we going to do if we keep reaching out to the rich and keep reaching out to the poor? And what are we going to do, preacher? Uh, well, what's going to happen to our name? What's going to happen to our reputation if we keep trying to reach the little poor kids and uh, those that nobody cares about and, and going into the ghettos and knocking on the doors and passing out gospel tracts and trying to get everybody saved regardless of who they are or where they come from. You say, preacher, what's going to happen? Well, you say, pastor, what's the world going to say? I hope what they'll say is this, that Calvary Baptist Church is trying to be like Jesus Christ. Because that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Uh, oh, listen, church, listen. There, where, there will be people that'll try to discourage you from reaching everybody. We've had them. We've had them. Through the years, we've had them. Especially when we first came to Calvary and we just, we, we didn't know any better. Man, we were, we were so pumped up and passionate and excited and we didn't have it. A little handful of folks here back in that day and time, but but there was a, a, a nucleus of people that, that wanted God to do something and they, they wanted Calvary Baptist Church not to fold. They wanted Calvary Baptist Church to, to do something. And so, man, we just started visiting and knocking on doors and passing out gospel tracts and inviting everybody to come. And you say, preacher, where'd you go? Well, we went to the trailer parks and, man, we went to the apartment complexes and we went to some nice houses, but we went to some houses where the screens were off the windows and, and the doors were hanging off the hinges and, uh, and you say, Pastor, why? I'll tell you why. Because I believe with all my heart, if Jesus Christ were here today, that's exactly what he would be doing. He'd be trying to reach every single person, not just the rich, not just the white, not just, uh, not just Americans. I believe that Jesus Christ would be trying to reach every single person with the gospel. You see, Jesus is not concerned 
with cultural preferences and cultural perception. As I was thinking about that this week and I began to think about some of the places that we visited and some of the places that, that we went and ministered and some of the folks that we've spoken to and my mind began to, I began to think about, I began to think about all the trophies of grace that are sitting in this room right here this morning. I mean, trophies of grace. People that were lost. People that came from rough backgrounds. People that came up on the rough side. Folks that uh, came up in alcoholic homes and, and drug, addiction, drug addicted homes. And yet, God saved them out of that. And God changed their life. And God put them on a new path. And oh, listen, this is all I'm saying, Calvary. May we reach out to everybody at Calvary Baptist Church. Jesus was unconcerned with cultural perception. Number two, we notice that Jesus was very concerned with seeing people clean. John 15, three, the Bible says, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse number one, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ephesians chapter five, verse number 26, that he, may, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. First John chapter one, verse number nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Physically speaking, filth breeds disease and affliction. Now, just think with me this morning. Physically, physically speaking, filth breeds disease and affliction. And disease and affliction breeds sadness. When people are sick, very sick, often they're very sad. Filth breeds disease and affliction. Think about it. How many remember years, a number of years ago when the big tsunami hit in Indonesia? You, some of you older folks remember that. It was horrific. What, uh, upwards of 200, uh, uh, like a quarter of a million people lost their lives. It was incredible. It was a, a horrifying disaster. One of the things that they had to do immediately, though, after that tsunami hit, they, had, they, they, they didn't want to, but they had to try to start cleaning up. You know why? Because of all the, all the filth and the death and all, all those things, it begin to breed, it begins to breed disease. And that disease breeds affliction and sadness. Did you know that spiritually speaking, the filth of sin breeds spiritual disease? And with that spiritual disease comes affliction and sadness. It's why, Calvary, it's why we are in such a mess in America. It's why, uh, listen, it's why we have people that are making millions and millions of dollars, people that have plenty of prestige, they have plenty of fame. I'm talking about some of the Hollywood actors. Everybody knows them. They're all over the, uh, all over the magazines and they've got their star there on Hollywood Boulevard and all those kind of things and yet they're taking their life, they're blowing their brains out, they're hanging themselves in a closet. You say, why preacher? I'll tell you why. Because the filth of sin breeds disease and affliction and it bring, brings sadness 
greatness. It's why sports celebrities who make million dollar contracts are losing their careers and losing their families. It's why our families are breaking up and our homes are breaking apart and our young people are going astray. Why? Because brother, when filth comes in, it brings disease and when disease comes, it brings sadness. But Jesus came to offer this word cleansing. And incidentally, not just cleansing on the outside. That's what the Pharisees were interested in. In fact, listen to this verse in Matthew chapter 23, verse number 25. Jesus himself said this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are all full of extortion and excess. Did you know if the inside gets cleaned up, it'll show on the outside? A lot of times what we try to do is we try to clean up the outside before we clean up the inside. In fact, I've had people tell me this. I I encourage them to get saved. And they said, preacher, this is what they said. They said, pastor, one of these days, I'm going to clean my life up. One of these days, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. One of these days, I'm going to turn my life around and then I'm going to get saved. And I want to say, you've got the cart before the horse. You don't get cleaned up on the outside and then the inside gets cleaned up. Brother, you let Jesus clean you up on the inside and when the inside gets clean, guess what happens? The outside gets clean as well. And you say, Pastor, where does that cleanliness come from? Well, it comes from salvation. Would you take your Bibles real quickly and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter six and look at verse number nine. 1 Corinthians chapter six in your Bibles and we're, we're almost done. 1 Corinthians chapter six and verse number nine. And the Bible says this, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 11, and such were some of you. Oh, I like this next line. But, there's that adverb. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I'm almost on the last point. We're out of here. But there is a possibility that there's somebody in this auditorium or somebody who's watching by way of live stream and you're sitting out there today and the devil has said this, you can't ever be clean. You're so filthy You're so dirty. If this preacher knew what you've done, if he knew where you've been, he wouldn't even want you here at Calvary Baptist Church. And I want to say that's a lie straight out of hell. We're glad you're here today. But oh, I got some good news. Thank God. His mercy is greater than our sin is. And you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, you don't know this and nobody knows, and, but I'm so dirty. Pastor, I'm so filthy. Preacher, I've done some things in my past that I, I regret and I'm so sorry for it. I, I wish I never would have done them, but oh, listen, how many know that life is the art of drawing without an eraser? You can't go back and erase what you've done. You can't do anything about your past, but I've got great news. You can do everything about your future. And listen, I can't, as a pastor, I can't 
I wish I could. I, I wish I could. I'd pick you up and wash you off and, and try to get you clean. But the truth of the matter is, I can't clean you up. And I've got some good godly deacons here today, but they can't clean you up. And we've got some good folks here today, but they can't clean you up. But I've got great news. I know a man who can. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you give your heart and your life to him, he'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. And he'll put you back on the right road again. Oh, yes. Jesus was unconcerned with cultural perception. Jesus was very concerned with seeing people clean. We're done. But I thought I'd point this out. Number three, Jesus never compromised when dealing with unclean people. Let me tell you why I'm telling you that today, Calvary. The modern philosophy is this. You have to blend in. But I want you to understand, you don't have to become who they are to get them to Jesus. So a lot of our churches now are saying, man, you're too straight-laced, you're too fundamental. I don't know how you can be too fundamental, but anyway. You gotta do what they do. You gotta act like they act. You gotta talk like they talk. You gotta drink what they drink. You gotta smoke what they smoke. But understand something, that Jesus never became a sinner to reach the sinner. In fact, you read your Bible, you'll find out at times Jesus confronted the unclean with their sin before he cleaned them up. But here's the clincher, we're done. Here's the clincher. But those people that he cleaned, they sensed that Jesus cared for them. Even though they were filthy, even though they were dirty, they knew that Jesus cared for them. This is a little motto that we teach here at Calvary Baptist Church. People don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. Well, that's worth saying again, isn't it? People don't care how much you know. You say, Pastor, I know the Bible from cover to cover. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. You say, Pastor, I'm... I think I'm probably one of the, the best teachers you've got at Calvary. Well, if you say that, I'm not really sure that you are. But anyway, I, I'm just, yeah. listen, you can, you can know the Bible front and back. You can have enough degrees after your name, doctor and PhD and all these, and, 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 you know, all these things. But people don't care how much you know until first they know how much you care. A little love goes a long ways. A lady came to her preacher. She said, preacher, I'm done. I'm done with my marriage. I'm sick and tired of my husband, the way he acts, the way he treats me. I'm sick of it. And then she said this. She said, pastor, I don't want to just, I don't want to just leave him. I want to get even. What she said. This pastor trying to help me, he said, I'm, I can tell you what you do. She said, I'm all ears. He said, for the next two months, he said, I want you to go home. And he said, I want you to act like you are head over heels in love with your husband. I want you to cook, cook for him. I want you to clean for him. I want you to be affectionate toward him. I want you to listen to him. I want you to talk to him. I want you to love him. I want you to love him. And he said, 
After two months, he said, when you have just convinced him of your undying love, he said, then drop the bomb and say, I'm out of here. She smiled. She said, I love it. I love it. She went home and she started cleaning. She started cooking. She started loving on him. She started being affectionate toward him. She started telling him every day, I love you. And for two months, that went on. For two months, it went on, and the preacher never heard from her. He reached out to her, and he said, are you ready? She said, ready for what? He said, are you ready for that divorce? She said, divorce? She said, I'd never divorce my husband. She said, I love him more than words can say. You say, Pastor, what's your, your point? My point is that a little bit of love can go a long ways. Little boy started coming to a church there, and she, this is in Chicago, Illinois. He started going to a little church, and uh, and uh, really got plugged in there, got planted there. And his uh, parents, he and his parents, they moved across way across town. But every Sunday morning, this little boy would get up and he'd get his uh, Sunday go to meeting clothes on, and he'd walk all the way across town back when you could. You know, he'd walk all the way across town to go to this church. And somebody asked him. They said, they said, why do you do that? There's plenty of churches right there where your mom and dad have moved. And they said, why do you walk all the way across town to go to that church? And this is what he said, because they love a fella down there. They love a fella down there. Hey, listen to this statement. We're done. Someone said, if only we could make the world believe that we love them, there would be fewer emptier churches. And a smaller proportion of our population who never darken a church door. Let love replace duty in our church relations and the world will soon be evangelized. It's 1230. Worlds are on the runway. We're getting ready to get off the plane. But I gotta share this story. Norma Jean. Norma Jean Mortensen. I don't know if that rings a bell with any of you or not. Norma Jean Mortensen. She, uh, they said that her mother had some pretty serious mental, uh, mental problems. And so uh, quite occasionally, Norma Jean's mother was sent to a mental institution. And because of that, Norma Jean spent a lot of time in uh, foster homes. She went to a foster home, one of the very first foster homes she was at, eight years old. And one of the boarders there in the foster home raped her. And after that boarder raped her, he gave her a nickel and said, don't you dare. Here's a nickel. Don't you dare tell anybody what I did. She went to her foster mother and she told her foster mother what had happened and her foster mother beat her without any mercy. And this is what she said to Norma Jean. Norma Jean, our boarders pay good money. Don't you dare say anything bad about our borders. Well, Norma Jean got older. And Norma Jean developed into a very, very beautiful young lady. She went to Hollywood. And, and uh, boy, some folks saw her beauty and they came to Norma Jean and they said, oh, wow, they said, we are gonna make you a sex symbol in America. And, uh, and they said that during that time that she would often say to them, she would say, 
but I want you to notice me. I want you to notice that I'm a, that I'm a person. And they said, oh, honey, that doesn't matter. We're going to make you a smash hit in Hollywood. You're going to be the, the next blockbuster uh, movie star. And, and, and they said that Norma Jean kept saying, but I want you to notice me. I, I, I want you to notice that I'm a person, that I, I have feelings. And, uh, and uh, anyway, sure enough, they say she was an overnight, she was an overnight success. She became not only nationally known, she became internationally known. They changed her name. Marilyn Monroe. Norma Jean Mortensen became Marilyn Monroe. And they said at the age of 35, I'm pretty sure that's right, at the age of 35, in fact, we've been right there on the, on the road, right there where she committed suicide. Norma Jean Mortensen later Marilyn Monroe, 35 years of age, what some would say living the high life, should have been at some kind of a banquet that night with an escort on her arm. That night, Norma Jean opened up sleeping pill bottle and she downed all those sleeping pills. But that's not the clincher. After she took the sleeping pills, she got on the telephone. The next day, when her maid found her dead, the phone was hanging off of the coffee table beside the bed, dangling there. And after they began to do some investigation, they found out that night that Marilyn Monroe, after she took those pills, she called a friend there in Hollywood. And she said, I feel like I'm at the end. She said, I just took a bottle of sleeping pills. And this Hollywood actor said, and I can't tell you what they said because I wouldn't use those kind of words in church. But the Hollywood actor said this to Marilyn Monroe, frankly, my dear, I don't care. And Norma Jean Mortensen stepped out into eternity. And I do not know, but I would say if her life was indicative of her spiritual decision, I would say Marilyn Monroe opened her eyes in hell. And the last words she ever heard in her life were these. I don't care. Man, I read that this week and I thought, wow. Man, I hope you say, Pastor, what's your vision for Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove? Y'all ready? This is it that this community and this surrounding area will know that there are some people somewhere who care. We care. But preacher, I'm dirty. We care. But preacher, I'm filthy. We care. Life's not over for you. We want you to come to Jesus. We want you to, to we, want, we want to see the Lord rebuild your life again. And, and we want you to come to a place where, where brothers and sisters in Christ can get around you. And uh, you say, but I've fallen. Okay, we've all fallen in some way or another. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all disappointed the Lord. But God wants you to come to a place where people can get around you and hold your hand and lift you up to the Lord and say, hey, I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you are. We care about you. Why? I'll tell you why. 
Because that's the example that Jesus set. He was involved in the dirty work of the ministry. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time we've had together today. Lord, it could be there's someone here today and the devil has been very faithful to remind them they're dirty. They've did something, went somewhere, been with someone. They've been involved in some things. And the devil, as he is a professional at doing, has reminded them, you're filth. You're filth. Would you help them to realize that there is a Savior? Oh, yes. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. And he died for their filthy condition. He died because he wants them clean. He died for them to let them know that he cares. He cares for them. And Father, I pray today, if there may be one here this morning who is lost and undone without Christ, I pray today they'll give their heart and life to Jesus. Lord, help us to be a church that cares. Help us to be a church that reaches out to every walk of life. May this always be, until the return of the Lord, may this always be a place where everybody is welcome. Everybody's welcome. Father, I ask you to have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts. Do that which only you can do, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Some are already using the altar today. Maybe there's others in just a moment who, who need to come. I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would go ahead and find their way to the altar today. Can I ask a question or two real quickly? Number one is this. How many are here today would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I am saved and on my way to heaven. If you can honestly say that right now, you'd slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I know I'm born again. I know that I have been born again. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. How about this question, though? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come back and try to force you to come down an aisle. I, I, I would never do that. But I want to ask you this, though. How many here today would say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. If I died, I'm going to be honest. I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Oh, I really need somebody to pray for me. And right now, you'd slip your hand up right now. You'd say, Pastor, remember me. Come on, be honest. Right now, you'd raise it up right now. Pastor, if I died, I'm not 100% sure that I would go. Would you raise your hand real high for me so I don't miss you? Just wave it, just wave it at me. Is there one anywhere? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about my salvation. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? With every head bowed and every eye closed and without anybody looking around, I wonder how many are here today. Preacher, I'm feeling sort of dirty today. The devil threw me a curveball and I swung at it. I sort of messed up my testimony. I got out of fellowship with the Lord. 
You say, Pastor, is any hope for me? Oh, yes. 1 John 1, 9, our Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. Why don't you come and meet with the Lord? He'll meet you here. Let's all stand around the house today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just for a moment. We're not going to be long, just for a moment. You may be here today. You say, Pastor, I... I'm saved, but boy, I just, I need somebody to pray with me. I've got such a heavy burden. Boy, I need somebody to pray with me. Hey, if you'll come, we'll pray with you today. It could be that you've been saved, but you've not followed the Lord in believers' baptism. And today you need to come and make yourself a candidate for baptism. Or it could be that you're here today and say, Pastor, we feel it, the will of God that God would have us join with the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove. And uh, if that's you, if God's dealing with your heart about that, I'm going to invite you to come right now. We want to meet you here on the altar if you need to join the church. Whatever your need may be, you come. You come. While we wait, we're going to pause just for a moment. We'll sing in just a minute, all right? While we wait, while we wait, you come.